0: The Geeky Retro Nerd Show is part of the Art, Comedy and Pop Culture Network of Podcasts. you doing welcome once again welcome to the geeky retro nerd show my name is Adam and you know I am a Geeky retro nerd and the show is now sponsored by shout out Express uh, a, a new platform which enables you and makes it very easy to monetize your content podcast uh, social media whatever whatever you're doing you can monetize it through Shoutout express so head over to shoutoutexpress.com and sign up it's dead easy i'll do it <laughs> if i can do it anybody can do it um i hope you're well um i hope you're okay uh, do you know what the number one show in the world is right now yes cobra kai have you seen it set 30-odd years after the Karate Kid. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's now on Netflix, and it is absolutely amazing. And yours truly caught up through the week with one of the writers of Cobra Kai, Josh Heald, and he wrote Hot Tub Time Machine as well. Check it out. How you doing? Are you okay?
1: I'm well. How are you? Yeah, these are strange times we live in.
0: Well, well they, are, they are very strange times. I had a baby. Well, I didn't. My wife did. Oh, wow. Um, on, on, on the, on, yeah, thank you. On the day that um, the UK went into lockdown, oh, yeah. literally on that day. So it's it's been It's been intense. a harrowing
1: time to be uh, to be at a hospital. I had a couple of, uh, two different friends I know have uh, have children during this time and I you know I have three children myself and I know how Mm -hmm. just crazy of an experience it is and you're not sleeping and you're scared and you know you're trying to you know keep this small creature alive and I can only (laughs) imagine the anxiety that adding a global pandemic to that um, creates but uh, congratulations
0: thank you you very uh, much we've got a three year old as well so um and I've got a seventeen-year-old who who lives down in England with our mother. But it was pretty intense trying to oh, keep yeah. a three-year-old happy and um, and and yep. keep another human alive. <laughs> I <laughs> know it. it's hard
1: enough just to keep the uh, the older ones happy. Sometimes the keeping oh. alive sometimes <laughs> sometimes is easier.
0: <laughs> Tell us about it. Well, you know, I, my my uh, love for eighties movies has come in handy because um, luckily Zach, my son. Uh, likes some of my my favorite 80s movies. Or I he mean, sits and watches them anyway.
1: It's <laughs> not the best when you can yeah, yeah. share those movies. We've been kind of doling them out a little bit. I have a uh, an 8-year-old and a 6-year-old uh, my two older children and uh we've been kind of doling out, you know, the the classics during this period a little sooner than we would probably want to if if you know they weren't stuck inside 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. Um but you know they've now seen you know the first uh I think the first two Back to the Future movies. They've seen Karate Kid. Uh, we're holding <laughs> off on Goonies because I think they'll get a little frightened. Um, they, I showed them Jurassic Park, which isn't an eighties movie, but feels you know kind yeah. of like a spiritual eighties movie. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: yeah. And, and and I've been showing those movies to my son, and uh, like you say, it's good to 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 hand over the torch and keep those yes. keep those movies alive. Absolutely. Flash Gordon's one of his favorites as well.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a great one. That's a great
0: one. Um, anyway, I think you said on the email, Josh, that this would be your lunch break. So I'll try and not keep you uh, oh, no worries. No too worries. long. I had, pal.
1: A, had a cheese stick to uh, to tide me over. So I'm A OK.
0: Good, good man. <laughs> um, so before we get onto the obvious topic of uh, Cobra Kai, um, yes. I, I wanted to mention to you um and i put this in my email to you uh, that i wanted to talk about this uh, one of my favorite movies uh, comedy movies of the last sort of little while i think i i think it came out 10 years ago i think um hot tub time machine um,
1: thank you yeah it's uh, we're experiencing oh. the 10 year anniversary of uh of hot tub time machine becoming a real thing which well, I, is <laughs> remarkable
0: <laughs> how is that a real thing how is a hot tub time machine a real thing i mean what what a yeah. movie I can remember watching it on a train uh, on my iPad and, you know, I had some time to kill. I thought, I'll watch this. Uh, and I was in stitches, absolute stitches. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Where where did it come from? Who came up with the crazy idea of a time machine, which is a hot tub?
1: Um, I will take full credit for that. Um, I will share <laughs> a little bit of that full credit with uh, my producer, Matt Moore. Um, I, was, uh, I was pitching something else with Matt. Um that was a project neither one of us really believed in, and and it was we were kind of throwing too many things against the wall and it wasn't selling, but we were still kind of traipsing around town, pitching it. And it was at the end of one of those exhausting days, you know, just kind of sitting in his office, um, you know, getting my energy back. Um, we started talking about 80s movies and mm-hmm. kind of the you know, this the ski. Sex romp movies, you know, Ski School, Ski Patrol, um, obviously Better Off Dead, you know, had a, yeah, yeah. a ski element to it. Um, and Matt said, uh, you know, someone should really remake the movie Hot Dog. Um, and I heard him say Hot Tub. And I was like, there's a movie called Hot Tub. How did I miss it? And it just became this like, you know, this stupid, you know, joke at the end of the day when we're both a little bit punchy. And, you know, I, I talked about my desire to write one of those ski movies, but to do it in a way where it was kind of self-aware. And, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you do it in a way where you can take contemporary characters and kind of put them in that world so it doesn't feel like you're just doing a straight parody. Yeah. And, you know, we, we kind of said like, oh, you'd you need a time machine to get there. Well, you know, <laughs> what kind of time machine? And I just joked, a hot tub time machine. And it was never meant to be anything more than a, an inside joke, you know, between us. <laughs> and um, I went off to New Orleans to, um, to be on set for my first movie that was getting produced. It ended up being the second one that got released, this movie, smaller movie called Mardi Gras Spring Break. Um, mm-hmm. And while I was down there, it was the first day of production of anything I had written, you know, being up on its feet. And the production had shut down Bourbon Street and it was this amazing, you know, experience. It was Josh's dad, you know, for the first yeah. time in a movie. And and seeing the scale. And I mean, I was riding this adrenaline high. And I remember getting back to my hotel that night. Just, you know, it's one of those moments of like, okay, like this career might actually work out. <laughs> and like just coincidentally, Matt Moore called me. And it had been a few months. Um, and he said, you know, I just left the company I'm at. I'm going out on my own as a producer. The project I really want to take out and sell with you is Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> and I said it's not a <laughs> project, it's a joke. And I said, all right, you know what? I I think it's funny too. It's it's four months later here, and it, and the title is so funny. Let's figure out what a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine uh, actually looks like. And I went back to L.A. and we sat down at a a coffee you know shop, a coffee bean on Robertson and Beverly. And I remember just sketching on a, on a big sheet of paper, like the, the general beats of a movie that would be an R rated comedy called (laughs) hot tub time machine. And I went home and I worked up a pitch and, you know, we, we honed it and we went around town uh, pitching with a straight face, a movie called hot tub time machine. And uh, we caught MGM on the right day. You know, they had just gone through a, a change in leadership over there and um you know the executives we pitched it to just totally got it totally embraced it um and and elevated it with you know the ideas of like let's let's go stock this movie full of the actors from the 80s that we love you know the john cusack chevy chase chris mcglover yeah. uh, billy zabka um yeah. and and give <laughs> it that that kind of big give it give it the big treatment you know and and just kind of own it with a straight face and along the way there were so many things that could have derailed it and and could have diluted it you know there was Mm. there was a moment when someone in the marketing department was saying does it have to be called hot top time machine that's so ridiculous what if it's just called like you know the do-over (laughs) and you know i I fought really hard for keep the title i'm telling you like the title will be a stupid turnoff to some people but it's going to be noticeable the title will have lasting power and i remember one of the focus group screenings for the movie you know they have these uh you know these big screenings and people fill out note cards with their thoughts and they, they rate the movie on a number of metrics and they usually keep about 10 or 20 people behind and, you know, ask them more pointed questions about their experience watching the movie, what they liked, what they hated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the people I remember very clearly said, you know, when I, when I signed up to see a free movie called hot tub time machine, I just, I thought it was going to be like just terrible and <laughs> it wasn't terrible. <laughs> and, and that was kind of like the, the proof of concept that like, yeah, like the, the, the expectations are so low a movie with this title that you can't help but come out of it and go oh that's better than i expected and that was kind of all like you know i wanted from that title but little did you know any of us know that the the title would kind of supersede the movie in some ways it just became a a piece of the lexicon like you you don't see the word time machine that much you know in in print without someone throwing hot tub in front of it Um, And, you know, and and vice versa, sometimes, you know, it's hard to see hot tub without, you know, time machine coming after it. It kind of became a way of talking about, you know, a a time machine, Uh, especially in the sports world, which was just totally bizarre. Um, But I I get a real kick out of it every time I see someone use the phrase hot tub time machine in a way that has nothing to do with the movie. It's, It's just, you know, this this weirdness that came from inside me that has now entered the uh the culture,
0: yeah. I mean, before the movie uh, Time Machine, obviously would have been associated with uh, a DeLorean, right? You know, but 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 now it's uh, a, you know it can be a hot tub as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have this great shirt that uh, that my wife got me that has it just has sketches of all the different time machines in pop culture. You know, ranging from a phone booth to uh, you know the Doctor Who yeah, um, yeah time machine to the DeLorean to you know the yeah. HG Wells version, and it's it's nice to see the hot tub kind of sitting up there with uh, with my favorites.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So you, met, you mentioned before, you know, Kusak and um, Chevy Chase and Billy Zabka. Uh, how d- did you have to convince them to be in a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine? Or were they were they well <laughs> up for it?
1: <laughs> um, I, I remember Cusack uh, got involved. The studio um, went out to Cusack pretty early, and 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 he was involved. So I, I don't know. What hurdles I, there were there, I think he saw the the potential for what the movie could be. I do remember distinctly uh, being put on a phone call with Chevy Chase to kind of tell him about the the role of the hot tub repairman, um, which is an intentionally frustrating character. It's a yeah. it's a character that we we wrote with very mumbo jumbo kind of you know double speak in terms of using big words um he's a character that is aware that our heroes want to know what's happening but he's also not going to tell them so it's this complicated like frustrating joke that this character is playing and and chevy just seemed perfect for it and i remember being on the phone you know he had the script pages which probably made no sense at the time um out of context and i'm explaining this to him uh, probably for like three minutes straight and at the end of it you know he says you know have you thought about john goodman for this you know it seems (laughs) seems like maybe this is more of a john goodman type of role which to this day i don't know what that means because i love john goodman but i don't know how this is particularly a role for anyone necessarily um but i said you know really you know, we've thought about you for this. And we think that you would have a lot of fun playing off these guys. And, and he didn't fight it. He was just like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, but he came with such a comic energy and, you know, a kind of a throwback, um, vibe to, you know, to all the, the movies he did in the eighties that were, yeah. you know, iconic.
0: Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm a real was- sucker for Chevy chase. I love Chevy chase.
1: Oh, I mean, it was just a pleasure to, to work with, and obviously, you know, people have had various experiences with Chevy that that are, uh, you know, good, bad, and in between. I would say mm-hmm. that the hot tub experience with Chevy uh, on both movies uh, was nothing but just a, a joy. Like, and and he, on set and off, he he really brought just a a fun comic energy to to all of his uh, his scenes.
0: Yeah so we, we we spoke briefly before about a love of 80 movies 80s movies and uh, you mentioned back to the future one and two um uh, was that uh, was back to the future an inspiration for uh, hot tub time machine <laughs>
1: I I mean, Back to the Future for me was a seminal movie. I saw it when I was, let's see, I was seven years old um, when it came out. And, you know, we're talking, you know, 84, I see Karate Kid, 85, I see Back to the Future. And they both just, yeah, they just imprinted themselves on my brain. And Back to the Future was just mind-blowing in terms of I didn't know what I was going to see, you know, when I went into that movie theater. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you came out of it just singing Power of Love and just just (laughs) wanting to be immersed. Both of those movies were just so, you know, you're just immersed in a in a world and an experience and wish fulfillment. Um, So certainly time time travel always fascinated me. Um, And then Bill and Ted, you know, just really kind of of further. And, you know, I think who wouldn't want to be able to kind of jump in a time machine? I, I think. For Hot Tub Time Machine, it really came from once we got past the joke of the title and and what the movie is, it was, you know, how can we use time travel to explore regret and missed opportunity and, you know, kind of kind of look at it through that lens and that theme um, and and then play, you know, a version of a time travel movie where you're not really caring about the science whatsoever at all. It's just this has happened and yeah,
0: it doesn't matter.
1: We're not saying why, other than you know, this Russian energy drink mixed with this particular tub has a thing. You know, we're not getting into the you know the the nitty-gritty of who made this time machine and why. Um and it, it was just a great device to, to kind of you know take characters on this science fiction comedy journey
0: yeah and that, and of course there's a link in the movie to battle the future with uh crispin crispin glover
1: ah, what a pleasure i mean I, I remember i wrote the initial draft of the um of the screenplay and then there was a brief time when um i was not day to day on the project there were a couple of other writers on it and uh you know i kind of made my peace with the you know the fact that okay you know a, a director comes onto a project i didn't know steve pink yet um you know he had brought a couple of guys to punch up some stuff and then i got a call from the studio um to get on a plane and come up to vancouver uh the movie was now about a week into production a week or two maybe and they thought it needed a, a lot of script work and all of a sudden i was put back in the pole position of steering the ship and i didn't know what I was stepping into, they had sent me the current draft and I was, I was pleased that there was a lot of my material in it. But I also saw that there had been a lot of cooks in the kitchen and this was kind of a movie that needed a singular voice. And I remember getting on this plane and then getting on a, a second plane, kind of almost like a seaplane, and then driving an hour through like Elk way up in, you know, Bernie, British Columbia um, on the Continental Divide. And, you know, you're having this journey of where am I, what am I going, is it, you know, is it broken? And I remember walking directly from that van onto set and seeing Crispin um, practice with the rig that was helping him juggle the chainsaw up in the air. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, we're going to be fine. Like, whatever work I need to do here, like, this is still in the movie. They're leaning in. Um, The ship will be righted. And Crispin was just, you know, fascinating to everybody because he's one of those guys that has an, you know, an an aura about him of mystery. And, you know, so many, you know, he has such an avant garde, you know, persona. Um, And we basically took over this ski lodge for a period of filming. It was a off season and, you know, we were making snow and we would gather in the. The lodge in the evenings and Craig Robinson would play the piano in the lobby and you know we'd eat dinner and you know have a drink and sit around the fire and you know <laughs> just tell us stories about you know back to the future and about you know going on letterman and and you know it was moments like that that are just you know i remember sitting there thinking like this will life will never get better you know in a kind of creative way <laughs> like yeah. this is you know, you're living your. You're getting to kind of have too much candy at the buffet at once. Um, you know, just having, you know, the the intersection of your, you know, seeing realizing your creative vision and then seeing some of your, you know, your cinematic heroes there, yeah. um, doing it. It was it was really really special, and he was just so all in
0: on on the movie. Fantastic, and and you and I have a mutual friend in uh, Michael Klassdoren. Yes. And he was I believe he was the unit publicist on uh, Mardi Gras Spring Break that you mentioned before. Uh, and that yeah. uh,
1: that magnificent production.
0: <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I, yeah, Michael, uh, my my buddy Phil um that was his uh, first movie he directed and and Michael was the uh the unit publicist and I was down there in the in the summer in the heat of New Orleans in the, uh, the summer of 2008 um making that movie and uh and Michael was a great cheerleader for that project.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I say, He um, worked with on Mari Gras um, but he was what I was going to say was he was he's also unit publicist, or he was unit publicist on Back the Future Two and Three.
1: Yeah. No, oh, I know he uh, went. Uh, he's written multiple books um, he about has. that experience, and I think he had a hoverboard from Back to the Future too. I don't know if he still does, but
0: um, I'll I have to one... ask him. I'll have to ask him. He's got loads of Back to the Future stuff. I'll have to ask him. But yeah, he did, he wrote the uh, Back to the Future the Ultimate Visual History book, which I've got, and is fantastic. He's got a new version of it coming out next month, actually, to um, uh, with an extra uh, bit added about the musical. Oh, that's
1: great. That it's was shown like, in uh,
0: Manchester have, this year.
1: It's it's tremendous to have a you know a guy like Michael who's you know committing the the history of a movie like that to, to a book because you know so much of that can get lost to time and can just become rumor mill like oh did this happen what was that and you know for him to kind of make sure that it's it's out there is just uh, is tremendous.
0: Oh yeah, it's brilliant and it's an amazing book and I mentioned the musical there. I was at the opening night of the musical in uh, manchester in february before things went crazy and it was amazing it was absolutely brilliant the 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 music and the special effects and how they made the delorean do things it was absolutely fantastic and then when the when the show finished um stood up and turned around to walk out and there was bob gale and alan silvestri had been sitting behind (laughs) watching the film and i never even uh, realized but then Word quickly got round and um, people were expecting it as well, I think, because they had things to sign. And so I quickly went and bought a programme and (laughs) borrowed a pen and uh, Bob and Alan signed it. Um, But what I was going to say was, uh, Michael um, texted me earlier, actually, and I said, "Um, have you got anything you want me to mention to Josh or or talk about? And what he said was, (laughs) 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 what he said was, he says, you and Hayden and John uh, need to keep your mitts off Back to the Future.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I, there are a lot of people that are very protective of Back to the Future. You know, I can I can say I can say this: we are not in the business of uh, of trying to ruin anybody's uh, childhood or nostalgia or experience. And you know, Karate Kid was one of those. You know. Properties that was in the right place at the right time for us to, you know, approach the powers that be and say, we really have a vision for this. Let us do it. But it was also with a fair degree of trepidation of, I really hope the vision we have in our head for, you know, what this is, is, is a shared vision amongst the fandom at large. Because we're three super fans and it gives us the confidence that we're coming from the perspective of a fan. But you also see the blowback of you know reboots remakes continuations, yeah oftentimes you feel the the dilution or you feel the um, just a missed opportunity um, or a why the heck did they do that because there's yeah. no point to this it's just a retread um, so I can say our enthusiasm for you know back to the future is you know at that same level um, as it is for uh, for <laughs> The Karate Kid, but right now we certainly have our hands full with the Karate Kid, so we're not yeah. we're not coming for his precious uh, Back <laughs> to the Future.
0: It, it was because <laughs> it was because I sent him an article the other day. I sent him a link to the article uh, where you and Hayden and John are talking about Back to the Future and. Um, he was, <laughs> we were having a good laugh about that. Yeah. no, we could um, ask,
1: you know, we could ask all the time about, you know, Oh, what, you know, what other movies from the eighties would you <laughs> like to do this too? And uh, this, that, and the other, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I would hope it's obvious now that, you know, our approach to with Cobra Kai in relation to the Karate Kid, you know, shows that we're not interested in just, Oh, a remake or, yeah. uh, you know, or this, you know, like we, you know, we try to approach everything we do, whether it's with existing IP or not, with yeah. just a fresh perspective of how can we take an idea and elevate it and do something unexpected with it and enhance. And I will say we have some big ideas for what we would do with a potential, you know, back to the future approach to a uh, to a project. But, um, but back to the future is, is one of those that is... Not going to be available to us in the in the immediate term, and we are not going to steal it from anybody, and we are not going to force <laughs> anybody to do it. You know, we, you know, we approached *Karate Kid* with with love and respect, and with conversations with everybody you know alive who had a hand in that movie before we um, went down a path, and mm-hmm. uh, we are not looking to uh, you know to incite anybody uh, anybody's. No. Interest.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean you said before You're not in the business of ruining anybody's Childhoods uh, you know memories of, of, of movies or whatever And you, you know You absolutely haven't done That one bit with uh, Cobra Kai I'll be 100% honest with you Josh when I read You know a few years ago That there was going to be a TV show um Called Cobra Kai And it was going to be set you know 30 odd year after Um After the karate kid, I was thinking, uh oh, oh (laughs) no, this isn't going to work, what's going to happen here? Um, And I watched it and I was absolutely blown away. Uh, It brought out emotion in me that I didn't even know I had (laughs) Um, watching Cobra Kai. It was, you know, and and the, the thing for me, Josh, is that you can tell that you, John Hayden, uh, you know the and and the rest of the crew and and the actors just uh, just love that movie. just love it. And um I was talking to um, one of the cast members. I can't remember who it was now. Uh, Rick Perez, who's in, gonna be in season three. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to him, and I'd said, you know, I was worried initially that that this would kind of put a bit of a blot on the legacy. Of the Karate Kid, but somehow—well, it's not somehow because you know, excellent writing. You've you've actually enhanced and elevated the legacy of um, the Karate Kid, um, which which is absolutely amazing.
1: <laughs> it's a, Thanks. I mean, it's look, a, we we had we had going for the launch of the show, everything hot of Time Machine had going for it, which is very low expectations. You know, you have this announcement that the the guys who did you know silly r-rated you know comedies you know hot tub time machine harold and kumar are now Mm going to go take the karate kid and do something with it and they're doing it on youtube so you know and all the narrative no matter how much it could be fought against was set up completely for oh this is going to be a disaster and we knew what we were doing and with such a attention to detail and with, you know, such love and respect and, you know, such care that, you know, it's, I think it surprised everybody that, oh, like this is not at all what I expected and Mm -hmm. now I can't put it down. And I, I could just say our crew, our cast, everybody kind of, we get a mind meld and everybody saw what we were doing and came at it with the perspective of, we're going to do this right. We're not going to rush anything. You know, when we're building Mr. Miyagi's house, it's going to be exact. And, you know, we, we didn't cut corners and we fought for the things we needed to fight for to, you know, to beat our budget at times, um, to go to those unexpected places. And, you know, we, we kind of leave it all out there. We leave it all in the field. And uh,
0: we're, we're
1: really excited to continue to do it.
0: And and was Ralph Billy and uh, Marty really up for it? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I wouldn't say from like beat one, like great, let's do it. I'll meet you there and tell me what to say. I think everybody had you know lived with this you know movie and the legacy of of the of the franchise for yeah. for thirty plus years. Um, you know, Billy, I knew personally, so I had mm-hmm. a easier sense of you know of what he might want to hear, you know, when approached about revisiting this character that, you know, for for a, a lot of his life kinda haunted him in a way because people yeah. look at him as like this bad guy, not just because karate kid, but back to school, just one of the guys, yeah. you know, he had this eighties <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> bad guy thing yeah. that people see him on the street and they're throwing one of his bad guy lines at him. And Billy's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we you know, I, I had a sense that, you know, he would really relish the opportunity to, to kind of have this redemptive journey. You know, Ralph, we didn't know personally, and all we knew was that he routinely said no to anything Karate Kid over the mm-hmm. years. Just mm-hmm. kind of felt like he did it, it, you know, it exists. He's mm-hmm. the Karate Kid, and he's happy, you know, letting the sun set on the Karate Kid. And we very politely and, you know, and passionately requested that, You know, he meet us for lunch in New York and we and we flew out um, from Los Angeles to New York and had what turned out to be a four hour lunch with him where we told him the whole season, the whole first season, beat for beat and talked about why this was not going to be Karate Kid Part Four. And it wasn't going to be the karate man. And it was a whole different animal and it would allow him to play. You know different colors that we had never seen out of Daniel LaRusso before, and he was very careful and and tactical and thoughtful, and asked a lot of questions. And you know very soon came on and and shared our passion. And Marty Cove, like I had to you know keep him keep him away <laughs> with a stick because. <laughs> 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 You know, it was the he, he he shared that enthusiasm for, you know, put me in like I I, I can't wait to, you know, to, to put Darth Vader's mask on again. And, you know, we had this plan that from the very beginning that he was going to enter the show at the end of uh, of season one. Um, and he understood and, you know, and and, you know, he saw the benefit of the the boost and the moment. And that's kind of, you know, his moment to to steal the spotlight and enter enter this universe again but it also must have been very very difficult for him to to know that production was going on for nine episodes yeah. and you know and he wasn't there yet but you know he was raring to go and uh, really excited to 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 see us write for this character that was very one note in the movie
0: oh uh, but what an entrance it was <laughs> right at the end of the season and um you know i you know i said before i watched hot tub time machine on a train i watched the last episode or the last few episodes of season 1 on a plane flying uh, to Ibiza. and um that last episode at the end when you saw john creese's silhouette against the door <laughs> the light in the door smoking the cigar i, I honestly I, I i practically jumped out of my seat and I was going yes, yes, <laughs> and my wife was saying, what, "What's the matter?" And I'm saying, "It's John Crease. It's John Creasy's back." And my wife was. Like, it was a it was a okay. moment onset
1: too. That was our last day of. Uh, sorry, maybe it was our second to last day of shooting um, season one, but it was, it was a moment, and the air was heavy. And the first rehearsal, I remember. You know, we finished, and you know, and and you know, and the crew just. There was a collective exhale of, whoa, OK. Like, you know, he just yeah. brought this level of gravitas and, you know, and and sinister to, to the moment that, you know, was evident in the moment, not just on the screen.
0: Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it kind of reminded me, actually, John, uh, John Hurwitz put something on Facebook the other day. And I commented, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I put a comment on that. It, it kind of made me think of uh, The Force Awakens, where you don't see Luke until the very end. Um, but I got m- much more of a kick out of seeing John Crease at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, than seeing Luke Skywalker at the end of a uh, at the end of a Star Wars movie, it was just absolutely fantastic. And and of course, then I just I, I needed to see more. I just needed to see more. Um, yeah, we love it. Yeah, it so, was it so, was
1: fun. It was fun withholding it. It was you know we we asked the the marketing to not include him at all. We asked him to not tell anybody he was in it. We we lied to some of the press when they asked point blank. You know is. Martin Cove in this series. And we said, no. <laughs> you know? and, and it was not to be, you know, to, to, to be jerks. It was because we loved the experience, you know, in the 80s oh, yeah. when you would see a trailer for something that wouldn't give the whole story away. Yes. Yes. And we wanted to to give our audience. And we still try to do that. You know, we, we have actors in every season and storylines in every season that we completely withhold from the marketing. And we don't talk about and we tell people please just say Don't no. Say anything. Yeah. And it's not in the service of being, you know, haha, we got you. It's mm-hmm. we want people to have that shared experience of, yeah. of seeing it, you know, when it goes live for the first time and experiencing it without knowing. And yeah, there's something I mean, special about that. And it's harder to do these days with social media.
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it wouldn't have had that seeing with Crease at the end wouldn't have had the effect if, if I'd known, if I knew about it
1: yeah no we try to put ourselves in the in the position of of fans watching this and and what would we want like we want that you know we want to feel the the oh no (laughs) i did not see that coming and uh and even if you did like you know that's the that's the trick you want to pull it it needs to feel like well of course but it also needs to feel shocking
0: yeah yeah uh, I, I seen another post on Facebook. I can't remember who put it on, but it was a it was like it was a selfie, I think, of you, Hayden, uh, John, uh, I think uh, Billy, and Ralph were in it too. And it was taken on that day so many years ago that you'd gone to pitch Cobra Kai to Netflix, and they and they didn't pick it up. So you so, you know so you, so you were on uh, YouTube uh, Red, I think is it called YouTube Red? Over in the states, it's called
1: uh, it was YouTube Red originally, and then it became YouTube Premium.
0: Premium, yes. Yeah. So yeah, YouTube Premium, and that's not that big a thing over here. YouTube okay. Premium. I, I, I don't know anybody else that is subscribed to um, right. YouTube Premium. So I knew there was a that was a lot of people missing out on this show, and if and if I'm honest, I watched it on a free trial. I I blasted it all on a free trial on YouTube Premium. Um, and I was saying, to everybody, you've got to watch this show. You have got to watch it. And then season two came out, watched it, loved it. And then this year, I'm sitting waiting for um, season three. And then, which obviously is shot and filmed. And I think I seen somebody say it's it's finished, it's done, it's ready to go, it's on the shelf. Um, but then obviously the show gets picked up on Netflix by Netflix. What what was that like, Josh? I mean, was was Netflix the original? Aim, for Cobra Kai? when we
1: when we pitched the show uh, the first round, I think we all envisioned the show as a Netflix show. You know, mm-hmm. we we saw the the bingey kind of streaming version of the show, certainly with no commercials, um, mm-hmm. a little bit of a you know fluid um, running time, you know, around thirty minutes, but not beholden to a to a schedule. So streaming, you know, really made a lot of sense to us, mm-hmm. and. Um and Netflix was kind of the the top of the mountain in terms of the most eyeballs on your project, so mm-hmm. you know it really felt like it was up netflix 's alley, and we had a great pitch at Netflix you know we pitched uh in a room where Ted Sarandos himself came and sat in for some of the pitch
0: right. <laughs> you know
1: and we had Ralph and Billy with us, and it was it was this amazing week and uh you know we also pitched. YouTube that week and and YouTube was our very first pitch and I think We didn't really know much about the YouTube red, which would become the YouTube premium model Mm -hmm. And I think you know energy wise we probably looked at the YouTube pitch as our practice pitch, you know in terms of all right work out the kinks and They completely and wholly saw the vision for what we were going to do and saw an opportunity for this to be their you know flagship show and it was a moment in which youtube was really planning to take on netflix and that was the that was the narrative we were told that was the the offering on the table was we are the biggest video platform in the world and we mm-hmm. are going to be building our subscription model to rival mm-hmm. netflix mm-hmm. and we would like to give you an entire season of your show based on this pitch, which, you know, Netflix was not that aggressive. You know, Netflix was, was certainly interested and, and they were doing all the things that you would be thrilled to have in terms of, you know, this is the path toward getting your show made, but Mm -hmm. it was not the wide open door of go ahead and go make 10 episodes and do it the way you want to do it um, without having to, you know, go through hurdles first. Mm -hmm. And that was an opportunity that was just too good to pass up. Now, obviously, you know, YouTube Premium's model changed multiple times while we were there. Um, but our show kind of continued to defy any model <laughs> that they had because it was still the, the 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 biggest thing on this platform. So, I would say this this ended up being the the best situation for the show because yeah. it had its Chance to to be this enormous fish in a in a smaller pond and yeah. and get noticed um, in a big way um, because yeah. of how it performed on on YouTube Premium. But we also knew that wow, imagine imagine if this show was you know on Netflix because there's a a big barrier there in terms of some people don't have access to YouTube Premium. Some people just have streaming service fatigue and aren't going to sign up for another platform even if it's there potential favorite show yeah. and now we get to kind of you know see both ways we get our own little time machine we get to you know go back and see seasons one and two come out again in a different way and yeah. you know and find out that yes there is an enormous audience there that um that clearly didn't come on the journey the first time around but yeah. um but boy they're they're certainly on on the journey with us now so it's it's really uh rewarding to see that that move
0: i bet it must be i mean it was you know when it first came out was number one across the world on netflix it was number one uh here in the uk on netflix and uh, it must have been thrilling it must have been absolutely thrilling and 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 you know um when i look at social media it's full of cobra kai and i haven't seen Anybody say they didn't like Cobra Kai. Even people like people I know who I didn't think would be um, into that kind of thing. Absolutely love it. Absolutely adore it. And when we're all just chomping at the bit for season three. So, so was the move to Netflix the reason for the delay for season three? You know, to, to get season one and two in front of some more eyes. Uh, yeah, then... I mean, the
1: the, the the short answer is yes. I mean, the, there's, you know, a, a world in which the that's, you know, we and Sony and, you know, didn't just didn't move the show and just said, OK, like, you know, YouTube can air season three and that will be that. And, you know, but there was a desire at the, the point at which we found out that YouTube's model you know, had changed, we we were this outlier, we were the exception to the rule, but they were not going to be in a position to make more Cobra Kai, even though it was this juggernaut for them. And it was a very difficult decision for them to make because it kind of flew in the face of the show's success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there there could have been a moment there of, ah oh, shucks, all right, I guess that's it. And, you know, in that version, everybody would have seen season three by now. And, yeah. you know, if that's a bitter pill to swallow, the The flip side of that is what we did is to ensure that season three is not the end of the line. Uh, you yeah. know, we, yeah. we know that we're writing, you know, in our heads, a lot more seasons. And, you know, we said to, to YouTube and, and Sony, let's find a way of not releasing season three and making that, the the cherry on top for how we can move this show and Mm -hmm. then that starts happening and then covid hits Mm. um which delayed everything because it didn't delay anything you know nuts and bolts with putting our show together but everybody's business you know shut down and had plenty of other concerns beyond you know acquiring cobra kai um but then the 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 logjam of there is not enough you know production available now because Mm -hmm. nothing's in production Mm -hmm. the the season three probably became a more valuable you know commodity because you have this completely new season of a show yeah um and then you know when when this netflix thing finally came together which we were thrilled about you know the 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 model that made sense to them was there's an enormous, you know, as enormous as the show is, there is an even more enormous market for the show of of people that haven't seen it yet,
0: yeah, and yes, to kind
1: of right away jam out, you know, here's seasons one, two, three, it it can get overwhelming, and yeah. you know, and and I know Netflix has some data with other series that they've acquired and, and put out too much material at once, and sometimes that can actually be a hindrance. Yeah. Um, so you know, a decision was made, you know by Netflix that the way they're going to do this is bring the rest of the world into the party and let everybody kind of enjoy that moment and take in what the fandom of the show already has yeah. creates super fandom now and you know release season 3 is a shared experience for one and all so the delay is is unfortunate that you know that you know some fans of the show are going to have to wait as long as they'll have to wait to to see it between seasons 2 and 3 but uh the benefit is you know it's it has the potential for more life <laughs> you know and it's not it's not like okay let's settle in for the final 10 episodes of this series ever
0: no, it, it it to me it kind of feels like um, a fresh start. It's starting again.
1: That's what we hope. That's what we hope.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I was just thinking of myself there as well. Um, uh, probably an unanticipated um, impact of the show is um, all the memes that are going around <laughs> on on social media. On social media, particularly the ones um, to do with Johnny Lawrence. Uh, you know, send it to the internet and and you know hash browns and all that. I mean, it's just, uh, absolutely hilarious. My my pal finished watching it today, both series, and he, me and him are exchanging lines from the show, which is absolutely cracking <laughs> up. But I was wondering, who who's your favourite character in the show, Josh?
1: Oh, it's so tough. I mean, they're they're all just uh, a pleasure to write for in in different ways. I mean. You know, with Johnny, you have the natural comedy that I'm drawn to because he's, you know, anachronistic and and means well, but says the wrong thing. And, you know, what he his his unique worldview is so uh, adorably wrong in in so many ways Mm -hmm. that it's um, it's fun to come up with ways of approaching a situation with his perspective. Um, I love writing for the kids. I mean, they're just uh, they're amazing. It's it's amazing to write for Daniel LaRusso and put be able to put words in you know in that iconic character's mouth and yeah. and uh, and Sensei Kreese gets to you know you get to create these you know these speeches and these you know worldviews from him that are that are so rich um, you know Amanda LaRusso is it's such a pleasure to write for because she's you know she lives largely on the outside of this karate war and has such a you know a unique peculiarity and disdain for it you know there's there's really it it, would be impossible to pick to pick one there uh the the whole ensemble is just uh just a a pleasure in terms of the the characters and the performers are just uh, they take it to another level
0: i put on um, facebook that i was going to be talking to you josh and um, i asked um, my followers if they had any questions they would like to put me to put to you and i didn't get too many that i I feel I can actually ask (laughs) because (laughs) there was a there's a lot there's a lot of interest there's a lot of interest in whether Elizabeth Shue is going to be in season three or not. Um, The we got the we got the teaser trailer didn't work well the little sort of snippets at the end of the 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 first and second season trailer for it coming to Netflix and we got the little bit tiny bit at the end from uh, season three. And mm-hmm. literally, literally within seconds, there was screen grabs. Of on the And uh, and everybody is a hundred percent convinced that that is chosen. Um, so, um, <laughs> I'll not ask you if it is or not, <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you want to answer it. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean that was something else I was going to mention I mean we've been talking for a little while now I'll let you go in a minute Josh but the you know we mentioned the fandom already that was a the, the, the fandom for the show is uh, quite remarkable um, and I know um, you know there was the there's the Cobra Kai companion podcast which has yeah. been on the go since the beginning and um, there's a lot of um, you know prominent fans. Who I've been following for a while on uh, Facebook and uh, and and Twitter and everything and and everybody's so excited to to welcome in these new fans. It, it's absolutely incredible that, to see. It's, it's amazing.
1: It's it's. I, I mean, there's. I'm sure there was some, you know, some melancholy, you know, amongst the the OG fandom that oh this this special thing that is kind of our cool. You know, it's it's like having like your cool you know indie band blow up and all of a sudden like everyone's playing the hits and you're like yeah i saw them in a you know a 30 person hall you know where we got to hang out with the lead singer afterwards you know it's a little bit of the you know johnny come lately to the party and now i can't get tickets to my favorite thing um because you know it's become too commercial so i mean i'm sure there was some fear of of that i'm sure there was some fear of Oh, is is you know Netflix going to change the the tenor and the tone of the show and and you know I, first of all that's not going to happen. But, no. but to, the, to the first question, like it's it's been great seeing new fans react in the same way as the the OG fandom and and seeing the fandom reach out and saying hey we're here here's you know here's this podcast here's this Facebook group and you know come hang out with us join us and I think there, because there is that collective, you know, shared history and we're all coming at it from the Karate Kid, you know, it's all, everyone found the Karate Kid at whatever point in their life Um, they did. And, you know, it's, it's, it's never too late to kind of, you know, join this fandom, which is, which is great. It's not toxic.
0: No, 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 absolutely not. Not at all. It's, it's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And and like you say, the OG fans of, of, Opened out their arms and said, Come and join us. And let's all talk about this uh, wonderful thing. One more thing I just wanted to mention, Josh, before you go. Um, the score for both seasons mm. um, is fantastic. Absolutely is wonderful. Else. Oh, man. Guys, I, listen, I listen to and, it in the car.
1: Yeah, Zach and Leo are just tremendous musicians. They, they, We had our, our first meeting with them and they gave us like a 10 track sample that was just. You know, not not actual music for the show, but it was them saying, like tonally, we're thinking something like this. You know, and and this was off a press announcement for what the show was. We hadn't they hadn't read a script, and the the music that was already in our heads matched so perfectly with what they had proposed, and we just love working with them, and you know, we were able to. You know to rec- to help them record with a live orchestra you know starting in the finale of, of season one and for all of season two and for all of season three and it's um it's just it's so great to to see this type of music you know happen and to be able to lean in to to a score in a way that's cinematic because it, it's one of those things that helps tie it into the original movie in terms of the feel and this and the scale and the epicness of it
0: yeah yeah and 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 the new you know the 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 stuff that those guys did fits alongside so nicely and it was really it's really well done actually um the original score from the movies um uh, that was uh, that was a bit that i particularly enjoyed you know in the series hearing the new music but you've got the you know the uh, the the classics in there as well from the movies yeah I mean, we've got was, the cherry on really top of
1: like we yeah we get to kind of pick our moments where we you know we're allowed to use some of Bill Conti's original score um in episodes and but you don't want that to drive the whole thing because it can no, start no. to feel a little bit like all right I've heard that <laughs> too many yeah, times yeah but yeah. when you can create kind of the the cousin to that and then build from that and then you know by the time the you know you're an episode you know 25 or 30 you know you're realizing that the score has evolved to to be so many different themes you know that you start to feel like oh that's that's creases music that's johnny's music that's you know miguel's music and uh it's great to see it take shape
0: absolutely fantastic uh, josh thank you so much for talking to me and taking the time out to uh, have this conversation uh i wish you the best of luck with season 3 and beyond fingers crossed um there's got to be a series four there's got to be (laughs) at least um uh, thank you so much when we finished talking i emailed him straight away because i forgot to ask him about hot tub time machine getting a mention in um, Avengers Endgame <laughs> and he replied straight away saying he was chuffed to bits absolutely over the moon but he's great isn't he Josh such a talent um, like I say if you haven't seen Cobra Kai you've got to watch it it's on Netflix it's absolutely amazing seriously it's, it's one of the best things I've seen for a long long time I hope you enjoyed that little chat I've got lots more coming speak soon